Hey everybody, the Tuesday New Old Hippie here. Got something a little different for you, and that's why I'm putting it out here as its own little thing. This is a mashup that my doppelganger P21 did some time back, and I never really had a good place to put it with anything else, especially since last week's episode was a little bit short and also a rerun from Bleed Eye. I figured I would throw this little bonus biscuit in for you just for fun. Clive Hamilton wrote a book called The Freedom Paradox, from which he gave a speech that was recorded by, I believe, the Australian Public Radio, and I heard it there, and it was, a, it was an interesting speech, but I believe I have chopped it down to the most interesting and pertinent 11 minutes or so here, and I also mashed it up with some music, so it's kind of a, kind of a crazy thing here, but I thought he had several very interesting things to say. It's actually quite dense and a lot to take in, but I think he makes some uh, very interesting points, which I'll talk briefly about afterwards. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this little interesting presentation. Welcome to another ABC Radio National Podcast. For more information, go to abc.net.au. Hello. Alan Saunders with you for Big Ideas here on ABC Radio National. Clive Hamilton has called his new book The Freedom Paradox. In it, he asks why we are so discontented, despite all the wealth and freedom we appear to enjoy. And in the process, he cites the work of Sartre, Kant, Schopenhauer, Heidegger, Leibniz, Erasmus, Mill, Hayek, Descartes and Derrida, among others. When I'm gonna get my freedom, when I'm free. I'm free. We feel less in control of our world than we did 40 years ago. We look around in vain to find those creative, flourishing souls at ease in their own skins and fulfilling their own destinies. Instead, we see societies affluent but anxious, uh, peopled by those who've won their freedoms but are not sure what to do with them. The counterculture promised liberation from the conformity and materialism of the American dream, unable then to see that its revolt against convention would actually sweep away the social conservatism that held capitalism back. In the freedom paradox, my answer to the question uh, why freedom from economic, political and social constraints failed to bring about human flourishing lies in the absence of another form of liberty, inner freedom. Inner freedom. inner freedom may be defined as the extent to which a person is guided in his actions by his own considered will, by his reason or lasting conviction, rather than by momentary impulse or circumstance. In the absence of marketing and our collaboration in its modus operandi of deception and exploitation, the system would soon grind to a halt. In the marketing society of affluent democracies, economic liberalism has not created the free-thinking individuals who populated the dreams of Hayek, Milton Friedman and their political followers. A new structure of conformity rules, one that promotes and celebrates a pseudo-individuality created by the market. The most important sociological question we must confront is why we choose to be unfree. I wrote the book because I wanted some answers to the ultimate questions, the magnificent questions that humans have always posed for themselves. 
What's the nature of our being? Are we trapped in our everyday perceptions? Why should we behave morally? Are we saved or condemned by our rationality? These are, in truth, the oldest questions, the ones that in every epoch have pressed themselves forward insistently. Yet in our era, they've been ruled invalid. I look around for guidance for the thinkers, the philosophers, the organisations that might point me to fertile pastures. But all I can find are rationalist philosophers, fervent atheists, moribund churches and crazy fundamentalists. Where once these matters engaged the deepest thinkers who by their very thinking could reassure us that someone was looking after our souls, the profound questions have been expelled from public discourse so that today even to pose them invites ridicule. In the history of the species, we've reached the point where to ask why we are here and to attempt to confront our own being has become ridiculous. In Western civilization's retreat to the superficial, we've not simply ignored the deeper realms, but invalidated them. The wisdom is no longer handed down. The esoteric is mocked by the shallow, and the conundrum of being is everywhere resolved by more frenetic doing. Who could have imagined that the elevation of self-consciousness could reach the level of refinement it has in today's affluent societies, where the individual is urged at every turn to create his or her very own world, to live as a free-floating artifice, a bubble of pure self-absorption? In Sartre's existentialism, being has no cause, no purpose, no explanation, has no meaning. Our existence, he says, is de trop, superfluous. We can taste existence in our bodies, but it means nothing. All beings and being itself are surplus to requirements without reason, redundant. In short, our existence is absurd. The existentialists were trapped in a technical interpretation of thinking, whereas in truth, said Heidegger, the humanity of humans is much grander than that. It's all very well for Sartre to declare that we can all choose to be different, but what do we hold on to while we make the transformation? Where's the core of the self that provides the safe haven while we remake ourselves? If humanity has become wholly disconnected from anything that might root us to our existence, to our place in the universe, why not then immerse ourselves in our bodies and devote ourselves to shopping, sex, drugs and appearances. In our world, profoundly split between the militantly secular and the fundamentally religious, there are only two acknowledged conceptions of humankind as the image of God, imago Dei, or as man the manufacturer, homo faber. If there is no third way, then we are condemned. So where is the power today? Hegemony no longer lies with a reactionary conservative culture, although many have an interest in keeping alive that view. It lies with the marketers and the culture makers in the media. For them, pushing the boundaries is now a marketing technique where once it challenged the conservative hegemony, transgression has now been co-opted by the market and turned into a means of sustaining the new power centres. We must, writes Qureshi, treat other people as if they are real. But are they? 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 But are they?
In our postmodern pursuit of ultimate freedom, we deny ourselves the possibility of being truly human. As philosophy or social theory, postmodernism no longer matters. Not because it failed, but because it succeeded too well. Popular culture has left the academy behind. Popular culture, now largely the product of marketing, has co-opted the postmodern stance and its mood of moral indifference. Bruno Latour's doubts have been voiced too late. The genie has escaped and is now living in the Big Brother house. Brand loyalty rather than social revolution is the order of the day. The internet is the epitome of the postmodern attitude to truth, where the most fantastic theories become embedded in the culture, where conspiracists can evade the ridicule they deserve, where any amateur who can compose a sentence can also write an encyclopedia, where bits of information are now valued more than the wisdom of the sages. Valued more than the wisdom of the sages. Humans have always needed stories to live by. For millennia until the Enlightenment, mythical stories gave our lives a narrative coherence. And since the Enlightenment, we've invested our hopes in stories of liberation. Liberation from feudal authority, from the arbitrary exercise of power, from political exclusion, from prejudice, from plutocrats, and of course, from material deprivation. Although spawned by the social movements of the 60s, postmodern intellectuals have ended up colluding with the economic libertarians to deny us a meaningful story by which to live. For the existentialists, this is the moment they declare, you're on your, you're own. On your own. And the only response is to retreat into mundane life. But ultimately, there's no comfort in the everyday unless mundane activities are practised with a transcendent purpose. It was Arthur Schopenhauer's great insight to recognise that all humans have at their core the same inner nature, the universal self, or as the Eastern traditions sometimes call it, the subtle part. In those moments when the distinction between subject and object seems to dissolve, the participation of the self in others leads us to recognise in them our own inner nature. This Metaphysical empathy forms the grounds, I argue, of all morality and is the basis of the moral self. The moral self is the innermost voice of conscience where all personal interests, social conventions, duties and obligations have been left behind. The moral self is universal, yet it's also personal. Responding to the demands of the moral self provides both the reason and the motive for taking the moral path. So when we fall short of our ethical standards, we don't declare, oh no, I've acted against a maxim that serves as a universal law. No, we say, I've let myself down. I've gone against my better nature. And that better nature is the moral self, the arbiter, the inner judge, who speaks to us with an immediacy and authority that no maxim, legislation, contract, or ecclesiastical authority can possess. Those who deny their moral selves are alienated from the universal self. The further we drift from our moral selves, the less human we become. That's why evil acts are called inhuman. And when we appeal to the good, we appeal to people's humanity. So the moral self, I argue, is the fixed point. 
the root point that transcends the conditions of all communities, societies and religions. We're listening to Clive Hamilton at Sydney Ideas at the University of Sydney on the Freedom Paradox. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking it out this far. Um, I'm going to have to be P21 here. I can't really be the hippie because the hippie has so much knowledge that uh, I myself do not actually have. So to me, the most relevatory, pertinent, interesting aspect of this thing was the notion that it was the church and the conservative forces in the culture that were really holding marketers back. And that when you had the revolution of expression, that that also turned into a revolution of marketing and really unleashed all these forces. And so what started off as tools of social expression and tools of maybe political expression have very rapidly and probably more effectively been co-opted to become tools of marketing. And it's true. Every Practically every single piece of culture that we consume is coming to us through a corporation. I mean, of course, a corporation is only a, a group of people who organize themselves that way. And, you know, I'm a big libertarian and I don't feel like uh, there's anything inherently evil about them. But we're absolutely seeing a consolidation of culture. And, you know, you can spend your whole life consuming movies and just looking at stuff that was basically created by groups of people to go through a corporate structure to make as much money as they possibly can. And it's not to say that you can't say anything through that system or you can't make any kind of good art through that system. But that's certainly the biggest change from 50, 100 years ago going back very far. Although, you know, you could argue that all the culture was coming through the church at one point. So uh, so it's certainly hard to get into any kind of thing where you say one thing is better than another. As the saying goes, it is what it is. Maybe I'm running this now because I was thinking about it uh, from reading about Woodstock because apparently that's what Woodstock in the end really was. Maybe, maybe not a cultural revolution, but definitely a marketing revolution. All kinds of people who worked at Levi's and Pepsi and all kinds of other places saw what happened at Woodstock and they realized that they not only had a market, but they had a culture that they can hang their marketing on. And it's kind of worked that way ever since. I mean, you know, we got, uh, and they're charming little commercials, but you know, they're uh, hip hopping on the McDonald's commercials. It's uh, just how it's going to go, man. I'm, I'm not sure what to say about it, except that if you want to have some culture that's free, you may have to just create it yourself or seek it out anyway. Oh, and of course, a more organized hippie would have checked already, but assuming it's available, I will post the link to his full speech if you want to hear it about an hour of uh, his talk at the Potomatic site. Well, I think that's going to do it here. I hope you enjoyed this bit of strangeness that I offered up for everybody here. I'm not sure if I'll be doing another episode of this. You never know. This thing's really been sitting around and I've been wanting to get it out because I worked hard on it. And actually, I think it's pretty interesting. I myself have listened to it numerous times, as you can well imagine. I'm working on something like this. I'll take you out with a little bit of music here. As long as we're in this sort of kind of interesting, a little bit strange, unusual place, I'm going to throw in a little bit of uh, strange, interesting, unusual music. I was in a record store years ago and picked up this CD, and there was a sticker on the outside of the CD that proclaimed the contents of the CD was the most beautiful music in the world. And who am I to not want the most beautiful music in the world in my CD collection? So I picked it up, and it's this uh, Bulgarian's Women's Choir, and... 
I don't know if it exactly qualifies, but it's darn interesting, and I'm going to let you hear a little bit of it. And like I said, this is a bonus audio biscuit for you here, so we'll be back in a few days with another hippie episode and more stuff. Thanks for listening. Hippie out, 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 hippie out,